Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo, joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Harley Schultz. Harley, it's playoff time. How you doing, my man? Well, fortunately, I don't have a lot riding on. Uh, we're, of course, it's Monday night, and we're recording this here. I don't have a lot riding on this game tonight, but I do need, in one of my leagues, I need Zach Ertz to have a huge game, uh, roughly 25 points in a point-per-reception type format, which... Probably isn't going to happen in the rain and slop, but uh, one can one can pray and dream, correct? Yeah, well, there's only three wide receivers active for the Eagles tonight, so they may have to go to the tight end a little bit more. I actually think it's going to be a big Dallas Goddard night, but we'll see. But when you're looking at those wide receivers, too, I mean, if there's only three of them active, uh, how many drops are they going to each have? <laughs> Stop it. Because they need to win out if they want to make the playoffs. Hey, I'll tell you what. I did some research the other day, um, yesterday. I saw somebody saying something about their team making the playoffs and making a run. So it just made me decide to look at something. So I looked at of the teams that are currently in the playoffs as it would stand now. And then I forget what channel I had on, but they also showed teams that were in the hunt in both the AFC and the NFC. I took those teams. So for the AFC, it was the Ravens, Patriots, Chiefs, Texans, Bills, and Steelers are in the playoffs, and in the hunt they had Titans, Browns, Raiders, Colts, and Broncos. And then for the NFC, it was Niners, Packers, Saints, Cowboys, Seahawks, Vikings in the playoffs with the Rams, Bears, and Eagles in the hunt. Well, the Eagles aren't going to win via a wild card. They can only get in if they can win out and take the division away from Dallas, right? Yeah, But anyway, what I looked at was I wanted to see how many of those teams, both in the playoffs and in the hunt, had beaten teams with winning records. And I was slightly shocked, honestly. Um, I will just tell you that the first team, if you didn't see it on um, Twitter when I tweeted it out, with the most wins in the entire NFL against winning teams is the Ravens with seven. Yeah, it helps when you beat uh, the Patriots. That is true. But no team has more than four after that, and that would be a tie between both the 49ers and the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, the Seahawks could have gone to five last night, but they didn't. Um, then you've got the Chiefs have beaten three teams with winning records. The Patriots have only beaten two teams with winning records. The Texans, two teams. The Bills and Steelers, each a team. In the AFC, the Titans, who are in the hunt, have only beat one team with a winning record. The Raiders have only beat one team with a winning record. The Broncos, believe it or not, have beaten two teams with winning records. And then you have including, the, including Houston. Yes, including Houston this week. Then you have the Colts and the Browns, who both have beaten three teams with winning records. And then in the NFC, of course, you have the 49ers with four and the Seahawks both with four. Then you've got the Packers, Saints, each with three. And then the Cowboys and the Vikings have each beat zero teams with winning records this year. The Ram- yes. The Rams had won two as of through twelve through 13 weeks. So after they beat the Seahawks last night, they go to three wins now. 
and then the Bears have beat one team with a winning record, and the Eagles have beaten three teams with winning records. So it's interesting that the Cowboys, Vikings, and then you look at the Bills, Steelers, all have one or less wins against teams with winning records. Well, scrolling back to the Eagles wide receivers for a second, yes. you said they only have three active this week? Yes. What does that tell you about what they thought about Matt Collins? <laughs> yeah, and Jordan. And Jordan, what's what's his name? Jordan. See, I can't Jordan, Matthews, Jordan Matthews, yeah. Matthews. So, I mean, Jordan Matthews is like a legacy there, too. Yeah, I mean, so it's Aguilar. He's been on the team four times. Aguilar is inactive, so you're talking it's all Sean, Greg Ward, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. You know what? I remember playing Greg Ward in DFS for the Alliance of American Football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the best of well, – we'll see what happens. The Eagles cannot afford to lose a game, that's for sure, especially against a team like the Giants. But anything can happen in the NFC, NFC least as it seems to be right now. Exactly. So with that said, the Eagles have a really beat-up receiving core. Um, I have a feeling that in the news you might have to hit on some injuries because it seemed like this week was a week of attrition. So I'm going to get right over to Harley with this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. The New England Patriots. Patriots are being investigated for allegedly filming the Cincinnati Bengals sideline this past weekend. Wow. Things have fallen fast for the boys from Foxborough. First, they lose back-to-back games to AFC rivals, and now they need to cheat to even defeat the Bengals. It's over, Johnny. It's over. (laughs) Foster Moreau suffered a season-ending knee injury Sunday. Darren Waller's owners should be excited that Moreau will no longer vulture Waller's red zone targets. Of course, none of them are still alive in their fantasy leagues to enjoy this information anyways. (laughs) In other news, Mike Evans is likely done for the year following a hamstring injury sustained this past weekend. Despite his likely placement on IR... Evans is still projected to outscore all of the wide receivers on the Redskins roster over the next three weeks. (laughs) Rashad Penny has been ruled out for the season after tearing his ACL Sunday night. Chris Carson was so excited to hear the news that he would be the bell cow going forward that he grabbed a bottle of champagne out of the clubhouse fridge and ran over to share it with his fallen teammate. Penny stopped him halfway across the room by yelling, Why are you celebrating my injury? Plus, you know I can't even drink that anyways right now because I'm on painkillers. Carson responded, Ah, it's okay. This is just a bottle of sparkling apple cider. I fumbled a champagne bottle seconds after I opened the fridge. (laughs) And finally, after kicking only 11 successful field goals all season... Jason Sanders went ballistic on Sunday, kicking seven of eight field goals and accounting for all of Miami's scoring. This comes on the heels of him scoring a receiving touchdown the previous week. Miami's fan base would be more pumped about this if they didn't just realize that their kicker is their best player on offense. This has been your BPN News Update. All right, I got to hammer you for a minute. Did you really just take like 45 seconds to lead up to that joke? Yes. <laughs> okay. Just making sure. I was like, um, where are we going with this? That was, about as pain- that was about as painful as this week was for most fantasy owners. I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry. Well, it had to be about as painful as uh, Penny's knee, too. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, and if anybody still has Carson and they're active, they'll like that, actually. Not that we want to wish for injuries, though. Well, I was going to say, uh, until we start seeing him, uh, they start to use C.J. Procise or they sign Christine Michael for the umpteenth time. Yeah, right. God, if they do that. Um, but I hey. might just go out and sign. I, I might go out to my free agent list and see if Christine Michael is out there because you know he's going to be on the Seahawks at some point here. <laughs> <laughs> that will make so many They can't people. get over him. It's like Jay Ajayi with the, uh, with the Eagles. and. <laughs> yeah, well, 
man, that would make so many people go on tilt. It'd be be crazy. We should start that on Twitter. The rumor, rumor that the Christine Mike will be signing in Seattle soon. <laughs> hey, uh, Twitter rumors lead to success. Uh, look at Patrick Laird. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, so for... I think Patrick Laird got more yardage this past weekend than Kalen Bolage had for the year. That's possible. That wouldn't shock me. I'm not sure, but that would not shock me. Um, I I don't really want to talk too much. That would have been low hanging fruit if I would have put that in the news. So, by the <laughs> by the way, if the Eagles were to lose tonight and not cover this game, because I did pick the Eagles to win and cover, I will go. Remember a couple few weeks ago, early in the season, seems like forever ago. I went 15 and one one week. Yep. The Eagles lose tonight. I think I will go one and 15 against the spread this week. Talk about both sides of the coin, man. Well, this was just a really just weird week. Yeah. I mean, you've got the two best defenses in the NFC uh, combining to allow 87 points. Yep. You've, you've got uh, the Houston Texans fresh off a victory over the Patriots getting just manhandled by Drew Locke. Yep. It wasn't even Drew Bledsoe. It was Drew Locke. Yeah, it was quite a quite a nutty weekend, that's for sure. So, But, hey, let's tell people what they're in for today. So, of course, we'll have our DFS segment. And then what we're going to do is the other segment we're going to get into first is let's try and help people that are in the, let's say, um, underdog spot this week. Right, we don't want to help out those teams that have just been steamrolling people. Let's help out the underdogs. Let's tell them some names of players that they can stream at the quarterback, wide receiver, and tight end position. Whether it's a streamable player or just a deep dive for some value, and then running back, we'll tackle that after we're done those three. If we've got some time, and we'll try to give them some ideas on how to attack the running back position via waivers this week. So basically, we're going to take on the role of the referees versus the Patriots. Yeah, sort of, just like that. Why not? And if we have a foul, we'll mark off five yards instead of ten. Um, <laughs> anyway, so one of my favorite streams or pickups this week at quarterback, and I'm going to say this because I expect him to still be out next week, is Eli Manning. Well, you know, here's the thing with that. I, If you had asked me before this weekend started if I'd want to pick up Eli Manning and play him uh, this week and next week and whatnot, the schedule certainly was amenable to that, but everything I've heard in the news just over this last weekend is that Daniel Jones is actually closer to playing than I thought would be the case. Now, I, I just don't. The see Giants it. are out of it. I see yes. no reason why they would need to rush him back. I mean, he's their franchise quarterback of the future. If I was them, I'd probably just shut him down for the next three games. Let Eli finish out the string let him ride off into the sunset, whatever, maybe go to another team, who knows. But uh, no, again, uh, Eli at home next week against the the putrid Dolphins, the only thing you got to worry about there is maybe some weather terrorism. But uh, yeah. it's, not a bad, it's not a bad play. So I've already put in to pick him up in one of my leagues because I don't like the matchups of the two quarterbacks I've been flipping and flopping all year long. If I don't get him, then I'll, I'll roll with one of them. But that's, that's somebody I put in already. I don't buy that Daniel Jones will be back. I'd be shocked. Because, like you said, they're out of it. They've got nothing to gain by starting. They've already seen what they have in him, right? So it's not like they're, do we need to make a decision? Is he truly who we want to go to war with for the future as our mm-hmm. you know, franchise quarterback? They know that. So it's not going to impact what they do in the draft or anything like that. So they'd be foolish to rush Daniel Jones back to finish out this year, in my opinion. Absolutely agree. So then my next guy, I've got two guys that are probably, they were rostered. Definitely through the draft. They may have gotten dropped, though, at some point during the year, maybe picked back up. You might have them on your bench, haven't been starting them. One of them's playing tonight. One of them, of course, is not. But I think both Baker Mayfield and Carson Wentz have good matchups next week that you should consider starting them um, if you're somebody that's streaming quarterbacks. Well, so, you know, I actually considered Wentz uh, when I was looking over things for DFS this week um, until I realized that, We've been kind of picking on Washington all season, but it seems like over the last couple weeks, at least in particular, they've done a fairly good job of limiting damage through the air, including kind of keeping Aaron Rodgers in check this past weekend. So not 100% sold on them as much as you think you might be, because, I mean, Washington, again, they sound on paper worse than I think they are in terms of pass defense. 
the other guy, Baker Mayfield, obviously going up against an Arizona defense that uh, has played better of late, but still is uh, the worst in the league in terms of total yardage allowed per quarterbacks each week. And uh, yeah. giving up, uh, I think it's the third most pa- third most total touchdowns to well, quarterbacks. Fantasy-wise, the Cardinals have given up the most points to fantasy quarterbacks over the last month. And the Redskins have given up the third most points over the last month to fantasy quarterbacks. So just playing the numbers alone, they, they, too, they both become very good upside plays for you. Um, well, if you want to talk about quarterbacks who have been cut from a lot of teams that started to come back around, you also kind of have to look at a guy like Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, I have a hard time trusting Mitch. He's, his upside is there. So, yeah, if you want to try and shoot for the upside, I just he's one of those guys I'm scared of. Well, let me, let me uh, consider something here with Trubisky. So and you might be able to look this up faster than me because uh, I know your computer's on right now. Uh, Trubisky, uh, since Anthony Miller has reinvented himself, gotten back into the offense, it was about three or four weeks ago, it seems like Trubisky is starting to play better because he's actually targeting and using Anthony Miller as a second receiving option there. Um, I can't tell you if it's definitely coincided with that, but he, it's not about his upside. That's not why I don't like Mitch. And, yeah, he's got three games of 22-plus points over the last three weeks. Um, it's just those, those lows can be so low. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And here's the other thing. It's in Green Bay. That's what scares me the most. It's in Green Bay. If it was in Chicago, it might feel a little differently. But if you really are in a corner and you say, screw it, I'm not worried about the, the downside. I want all upside. I think the Packers could possibly put some points up. I myself think it's going to be a lower 17-10-ish type game, so I'm staying away Well, so here's the thing. Everyone talks about the rivalry between Green Bay and Chicago, uh, along with the rivalry between Green Bay and Minnesota. What I find funny is, uh, particularly these really cold, uh, the winter games in Green Bay, at least from a Vikings fan side point, again, I assume that it's fairly common for the Bears, too, despite their longtime rivalry, is that... A lot of the Green Bay fans really don't care to go to these cold, ugly games, and they'll give their tickets away, or sell, and not give their, they'll sell their tickets for a markup to Chicago Bears fans and Vikings fans coming in there to play. Ooh, are you calling them fair weather? I'll again. Are you all? Jake oh. isn't here to defend the, the Packers, but no, <laughs> no, the uh, the. Uh, the Packers have been known to do that. Their fans will sell their tickets at, at again at a markup. They they need they need beer and cheese money, and uh, <laughs> particularly around the holidays, they've got to get the Hickory Farms kits for their family members, and they'll uh, they'll sell their tickets, particularly to these really cold games that they expect to be ugly, even against hardcore division rivals. So yep, you, it you may just, not be as as unfriendly a, a crowd as you'd think. Yeah, you just call them fair weather fans. I can't wait to get that out on Twitter. Okay, <laughs> uh, I have one last guy on my list. He seems to just be the poster child for, you know, zero quarterback or streaming quarterbacks, and that's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I have to admit I got burnt a little bit by him this week, uh, starting him against the Jets. Uh, I had a lot overexposure to him in terms of uh, – DFS this week. Uh, fortunately, my play was saved by a incredibly strong afternoon and P- and, and primetime slates this week. But yeah, again, Fitzpatrick really kind of killed me in some of the earlier stuff this week. Yeah, I mean, in the Giants right now, currently for the last four weeks before this Eagles game, they rank fifth in points allowed to fantasy quarterbacks. So I think that Fitzpatrick will be slinging the ball around. My my biggest concern with Fitzpatrick is whether or not Devontae Parker can get back on the field. Yeah. The team looked a little bit lost once he got out of there. I really thought that it was going to be a huge uh, bump up for Albert Wilson. Uh, they they tried to connect on a few passes, but it wasn't nearly as much usage as I thought we'd see there. Uh, Mike Gesicki dropped a few passes as well this past week. So, again, I don't know if that was just that they weren't expecting the, the volume of output because there was no uh, – there's no Parker, but uh, there's offensive weapons to throw the ball to. There, there's some skilled athletic players to throw the ball to there. Uh, so, again, against the Giants, you certainly can move the ball through the air, although you can also move the ball on the ground. So maybe it's Laird season. Yeah. So let's, you ready to move over to running back real quick? Yes. I only have one name that I'm going to give it running back. 
because it's the only name that's of substance that's on the waiver wire um, in one of the expert leagues that I use to refer to, you know, when I'm looking at people that we can talk about. And that's DeAndre Washington, and it really all comes down to, do you think Josh Jacobs can play this week? Here's the thing. Josh Jacobs has been battling through this uh, shoulder fracture now for for a few weeks, and uh, it, it, what we've been told is that it comes down to pain tolerance. Well, the pain tolerance was too high this past weekend for him to play in a game that he probably could have done fairly well in. Yep. So, uh, actually, DeAndre Washington was one of the fine little uh, pivots I made to a lot of my afternoon-only lineups that really kind of helped set me up for a good performance in those categories this past week on DFS. I think Washington is in for a great spot here against the Jacksonville defense, and we'll talk about it a little bit during the DFS segment, I'm sure. Uh, he's one of my favorite sleepers this week uh, at the running back position. So I love DeAndre Washington. And it, to some degree, even considering how bad Jacksonville is against the run, you could probably even consider Jalen Richard. That is true, and I'll tell you, if you do have free agent bucks, look, don't save them, right? So if, if Washington happens to be... You can't take it with you. If he happens to be on your free agent wire, you know what? Use all but like two or three of your dollars so that you can make emergency moves next week in case of a major injury. But he's facing a Jacksonville Jaguars team that over the last month has only given up fewer points to running backs than the Texans. It's the only team that's given up more points to the running back position. So that's who I'd go after. Um, then as far as the running back position goes, here's what I'm going to recommend. And we talked, we don't talk about much before we actually get on the air and start recording, but we chatted about this segment specifically just for a little bit. Um, and I said, let's talk about what we can do at the running back position. And my suggestion is, and then Harley, you can chime in, plug in your starting lineup for this week. Plug in your starting lineup for next week and see what players you are not planning on starting in either of those two weeks, and then prioritize them as your drops. And then drop them in order, going to get guys like Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, for example. Guys that if the, the lead back goes down in front of them, they're gold for you next week in your championship game. So you've got to be proactive because you're not going to have any money left to get those guys on the waiver wire, and if you don't have the most money, you definitely won't get them, right? So yeah, and that's what realistically, I Realistically, there's... There's probably been a few backup guys who have been dropped over the various bye weeks yeah. that have not been picked up yet. Washington was a great example. Uh, I would think that uh, at this point, a guy like Adrian Peterson might be sitting out there. And now it looks like he's actually going to end up starting next week because of Darius Geis re-injuring his knee. Yeah. A uh, guy like, uh, with all the injuries in Kansas City, he could go out. I mean, he might have been taken last week, but he might have been dropped again this week. Darwin Thompson might be back available on the waiver wire. Consider going to get him because sooner or later uh, they're going to give him some looks there, I think, or more looks. Duke Johnson stepped it up with a big reception game last week, and I think that he's going to have to catch the ball a little bit more next week against Tennessee too. Yep. So, I mean, that's how you should be looking at position, running back position. Try to be proactive instead of reactive going into week 16. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't go overboard. If your running back two is Patrick Laird, don't try to find out his backup because – I don't know who his backup is. Right. <laughs> it won't matter. So at wide receiver, I've got three. Oh, you don't, you don't actually know who might be available on free agent wires that might be worth going to get who? at running back? Carrion Johnson, who very well might be activated for the Week 16 game against Detroit. Again, if you're talking about the absolute end of your bench, right? nothing wrong with just sneaking him on there. You kind of like I snuck. David Njoku on my on my bench a week ago before he returned. So you could play him against the Cardinals this week. So if he came back, I could play him against the Cardinals. But also, I have Hunter Henry, so I may not need him, but at least somebody else can't have him. Exactly. So I've Particularly got, not your opponent. Exactly. And then that would have been a possibility. So I've got three names at wide receiver, and one of them plays into your Devontae Parker portion, and that is Alan Hearns. So if Parker doesn't come back, I really like Hearns. But if you're looking for a guy because you, you just – Look, it's your top wide receivers are like mine were in one of my leagues where you've your top wide receiver is Cole Beasley and Jamison Crowder and D.D. Westbrook was your you know wide receiver core. A guy like Hearns could be a guy you could plug in for this week with the matchup he has. 
Well, and uh, to some degree, too, a guy like Westbrook could actually be an interesting play this week with the news being that DJ Chark was seen leaving the stadium with a scooter and a walking boot. So he might be available on some of the waiver wires. Uh, Kiki Kute was the primary beneficiary of Will Fuller missing last week. He's probably available in a lot of leagues. I personally thought it was going to be Kenny Stills. It wasn't. Um, Justin Watson stepped huge into the role vacated by Mike Evans, who's done for the year. He's probably going to be available on most of the waiver wires. And a lot of waiver wires, just because of the fact he was out for so long, a guy like John Ross might be sneakily sitting out there. Now, against against New England, he's not going to be doing a whole lot, but maybe the following week. Yeah, that's possible. Um, Actually, I have Kenny Stills as one of the three players on my list. Um, And then another guy that I would love a lot more if he had, if they weren't down to their third quarterback, but I still think he's worth looking at if you're trying to call together something at wide receiver. And that's Danny Amendola, who has a great matchup this week. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, And so I think Amendola's stats looked better than they should have been last week because Danny Amendola has historically owned the Minnesota Vikings going back to his time with the Rams, uh, his entire span uh, while he was out in New England. Every time Danny Amendola faced the Vikings, he absolutely just eats. So, again, you're you're talking about a third-string quarterback there. You're talking about a team that purposely did everything possible to shut Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones down, so they had to throw it to Amendola. But still, you're talking about a guy who was the leading target getter this past week, and he gets to face Tampa, which is always a nice thing. Exactly. And you know what? Brashad Perryman, speaking of Tampa, Brashad Perryman could also be a fill-in with Mike Evans looking to be out, too. He had a good week this week, um, and he seems to have resurrected his career a little bit since he's you know been with Tampa. So if it's Bear, he's somebody that's worth taking a look at. Lots of possibilities at the wide receiver position if you did have some injury issues. And yes, there were quite a bit of injury issues at the wide receiver position. Again, including Mike Evans, Calvin Ridley out for the year. You very well may have lost your your top wide receiver one or even like your top two wide receivers in some cases there. Yeah. Um, So I even guess we could have mentioned Justin Gage as a possibility too. Um, You ready to move over to the tight end? Yes. So I'll go in reverse order the names that I wrote down on my list. Ian Thomas has a great matchup this week. I don't think we'll see Greg Olson again um, with that concussion. I guess it's iffy, so if he is going to be active, then, of course, you, you, you pivot off of Thomas. But he's got a great matchup. Um, Kyle Rudolph has a good matchup, and surprisingly, I was shocked. He's on the waiver wire in the league that I used to look at. And then Jonu Smith um, is another one. Got a great matchup. He was on the waiver wire also, so there's a very good chance he could be on the waiver wire. Or if he's just one of your tight ends that you've been flip-flopping with and, and playing matchups with, this week's a good matchup for him. The last guy I have, we already mentioned, he's risky. He's risky because he really has, hasn't done much this year yet. But David Njoku against those Arizona Cardinals. They did learn how to shut down a tight end this week. But they were, yeah, they give him a concussion. That's how they shut him down. <laughs> but they were facing a duck also. So between a duck and a doctor saying no, then that's what happened. But um, I think David Njoku is a, sme- a sneaky play because I think people will be a little shy due to two reasons. One, what happened with Pittsburgh this week. And two, it being the Browns and that Njoku hasn't done much. Yeah, the, the whole offense there is a little bit out of touch still. Uh, I know there's some sentiment going that uh, Odell Beckham already wants out. And I don't know how much that's real and how much that is is being overblown. But uh, yeah. it... it it, I think it all goes down to the fact that the team, it, it, it's like the locker room is kind of coalescing against their head coach there. And it remains to be seen if the head coach lasts the rest of the season. Right now at this point, it probably wouldn't hurt them to bring in someone else. But do they really have anyone else on that coaching tree or that coaching staff that would be ready to step in? Um, possibly Todd Monken, but I'd rather say him stay as offensive coordinator and actually call plays. I I really hope that Cleveland pivots away from Freddie. He's just not ready. But it is what it is. Let's get through the season, see what happens. Um, with all that said, Cleveland controls their own destiny somewhat. They went out, which they've got one tough game against Baltimore, who could be resting players by then. Um, they got the Bengals again. They got the Ravens. And they've got Arizona this week. They actually have a shot to still make the playoffs. So 
who knows what that would mean, you know? So uh, it looks like we're watching the uh, Eagles game right now on Monday Night Football, and the Eagles just threw a touchdown pass to Gary Ward, but it looks like it's going to be called back. So, again, I was kind of looking back on my AAF uh, DFS team here, and uh, I think I had him active this week, so I, m- I might have gotten some points if this wasn't called back on a hold. Well, if Zach Ertz would have went George Kittle on the last play, you would have had a touchdown from Zach Ertz because he would have carried that defender another 10 yards. That was that was kind of surreal there, wasn't it? I mean, you it, he like willed his way. <laughs> yeah, that, that truly looked like one of those plays you would see in a movie where the kids all jump on one guy's back and it's just like, it just, it was, it was an incredible play during an incredible time that set the team up for a big win. Okay, there was a guy going to the back for the Phillies uh, on a cart just now wearing number 17. Are we losing another wide receiver there? It looks, looks like, like that'd be Alshon. That is Alshon Jeffrey, which uh, certainly can't be good for a team if they only suited up three wide receivers. No, I saw reports that Nate Sudfeld, one of the backup quarterbacks, was catching running routes and catching passes during pregame. Um, hopefully they don't have to go that route, but... This could make it Dallas Goddard be a little more involved. Exactly. Or it could just mean a lot more passes to Miles Sanders. That too. Breakout tackle eligible? Well, we'll see if they can score. But anything you want to add on the streaming capabilities of what people can look at for week 15 to try and get to their... I, I liked all the players you named at tight end. and I think that they all are available in a lot of leagues, particularly Ian Thomas, I think is a great play. Um Otherwise, I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot there. I mean, people probably have Caden Smith on their teams now. They already have Tyler Higby on their teams. Uh, Mike Gesicki's facing these Giants next week. He might be available, but, again, I, I doubt it. I, I think that the guys you're probably looking at are your Ian Thomases. Maybe maybe Janu. Yeah. Well, actually, I, Janu actually looked okay this past week after a couple of bad weeks. But again, it was a great matchup last week, too. So. True. Very How about true. Blake Jarwin? Um, well, Blake Jarwin faces who next week? The Rams, who have actually been pretty mediocre against tight end this year. Okay, but the following week he gets the Eagles, correct? Yes. Which is not good for tight end, so you'd have to be able to stream again. That's just one thing to keep in mind if you, if you look at doing something like that. Exactly. All right, you ready to get off streaming and get on DFSing? Yeah, we'll be doing some streaming at DFS, but yes. Okay. Set that over-under so I can tell you what we're going to do this time. Take a quick peek here. We are going to go. Six. Whoa, 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 whoa. Somebody's feeling it. Six. Let me see. Man, that's a tough number. I got to go under. Okay. I just, the odds have to be under. There's, I can't think that we're going to hit seven. Well, I will tell you, I've got two running backs to pay up for, so. I wrote down three, but of course I only have one that I'm actually making my pay up. I did the same. Okay. I did the same thing at stay away too. You know, I like to do that. Same thing at value at quarterback. Um, But, all right. You want me to hit us off here at quarterback, get started? Yes. So I was shocked at the numbers, quite honestly, a little bit. Um, but the first person I'm going to pay up for came down to two people for me, um, which I think people would be shocked that they're even somebody you would think about paying up for. came down to Jameis Winston and Ryan Tannehill. And I wound up going with Ryan Tannehill at home because he's cheaper than Jameis. Well, I actually chose Jameis Winston, but uh, I agree that Tannehill at home is a great play this week. Well, there you go. We we did not agree on the first one. Last week, I think we swept quarterback. But for Winston, what I really like, though, five of the last eight quarterbacks to face Detroit have three or more TD passes. Now, I think there's also been a couple of TD runs by the quarterbacks during that stretch, too. So you're looking at a lot of potential touchdowns there. Yes, Winston will throw for 300 yards. Yes, he will throw for at least three touchdowns. Yes, he will throw at least three interceptions, but he's still going to get you points. <laughs> yeah. My biggest concern with Winston, other than he was just a few hundred dollars more, I know it's the pay-up section, but I figured if I'm going to pay up, I'm going to save a few bucks. 
is they are coming off a pretty big win this weekend, um, and they have to go on the road. Yes. That's, that's my biggest concern. So, again, what do I do a lot of times? I got two guys I look at evenly. Who's at home? Who's away? Who's a t- little bit cheaper? Both those boxes went to Tannehill. That's why I went with Tanny. Yeah. Again, I, I, I feel dirty taking Tannehill as a pay-to-play, but on the DraftKings side, he is the fifth-highest-priced player. Yeah, he really is. It's shocking, but he, and, he, and he should be. If you really go look at the numbers, he absolutely should be. And what's amazing is, in a lot of redraft leagues, he still is unowned. Yeah, uh, that is a little bit crazy. Maybe I should have had him as one of the streamers. Um, anyway, so I have a feeling that we are going to match on our stay away. Coming off a putrid game last this week, last yesterday, I'm staying away from Russell Wilson against a Panthers team that ranks 30th in points allowed to the quarterback position over the last month. We didn't match there. Uh, oh, who are you staying I, away from? I, I just i I can't quit Russell Wilson. I, I I'm going to live and die on the sword that is Russell Wilson. I think this year, and so I'm I've got no problem with playing him this week. He certainly isn't my favorite play, and when you consider where his price is compared to Jameis, I probably won't have a ton of exposure to him. But I went down a little further on the spectrum. I don't like Aaron Rodgers, uh, especially at 8,000 on FanDuel. Sure. Nine of the 13 quarterbacks to face Chicago this year have thrown for zero or one touchdown, including Aaron Rodgers back in week one. So I'll tell you somebody else I didn't like, and I probably should have stayed away from him. And his price is just wrong. That's what it comes down to. His price is just wrong, in my opinion. And it's based off of name, and it's based off of what he did last year. But take a look at what Patrick Mahomes has done in the past five weeks, past you know four game, three games since he's come back from injury. Last three consecutive games, he hasn't eclipsed twenty points. He should not be the highest quarterback on the board. But he's at home, and he's got a good matchup, so that's why I didn't steer clear of him. Yeah, and I, I think coming off the tough, tough game this past week, uh, I, I think he's going to be ready to have a good game again. I think Mahomes at home is pretty solid play at any price. He is. I just think that it's he's priced wrong, in my opinion. I don't think he should be priced that high. So, but I get it. I do. I don't think we're going to match at value play here either. So we might be off to a slow start, and Vegas might be sweating this. That's possible, actually, because my two guys are interconnected. Um, I've got Eli Manning as my value play, and then I wrote down DJ if for some reason he comes back and plays. Because um, even at 56 and 7,300, I think that Daniel Jones is still a good value play. But I have Eli Manning as my value play next week against those Dolphins. I considered that. Uh, the team I've been picking on the last couple of weeks is Oakland. So I'm going to take Gardner Minshew at Oakland. Uh, it, right now it sounds like he may be without DJ Chark. But it's not like Minshew doesn't have other weapons to throw to. D.D. Westbrook has looked very good. Chris Conley has played very good when Minshew was in there earlier this year. Uh, plus, when you look at Oakland, has allowed the second most total touchdowns to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, it, it just, it's setting up for a game that, again, Jacksonville has struggled on defense for the last month and a half. They're going to be forced to throw in this game. And I think this is going to be a higher scoring game than people might think. Yeah, that's very possible. Um, again, I don't know. I just think Eli's on his farewell tour, and no better place than to light up a team that's very lightable is, you know, those Dolphins in New York. So, 0 for 3. That's a while. It's been a while since that's happened at quarterback. Particularly at the quarterback spot, yes. Yeah. All right. I think we'll match at running back. I know you said you had two. I wrote down three. I'll tell you the first guy that I crossed out that I had written down was Nick Chubb. Um, I like Chubb but I'm not going to use him as my pay-up. Um, and then due to injury, there's another guy I'm considering, but he's still not priced high enough for me to say that's my pay-up. And that's Chris Carson, even though he's in the top 10 at, you know, price-wise. I like Derrick Henry at home against a Texans team that has been giving up just bunches of points to the running back position. Okay, we've got a match there. And actually, I might give us credit for two matches there because I identified both Derrick Henry and Chris Carson. Uh, Derrick Henry uh, is facing a Houston defense that over their last four games has allowed 781 total yards and eight total touchdowns to opposing running backs. That's just under 200 yards per game. 
and over that, that's two touchdowns per game to opposing running backs. Give most of those numbers to Henry because Deion Lewis is really a non-factor there anymore. When you look at Chris Carson, his price is a little bit less than Derrick Henry, but he's going to face Carolina seven different times this year. An opponent has scored multiple running back touchdowns against Carolina. That's half of their games. They've given up more than one touchdown to opposing running backs. They're giving up 5.34 yards per carry on the year. And like we were talking earlier, there will be no Rashad Penny to steal touches once Carson fumbles the ball. Right. So I don't know if you had a hard time. I had a hard time. I'm going to pay up for both those guys this week. Yeah, I don't. You want to give us two matches? We're still not going to hit six. Um, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I had a hard time finding a guy that I wanted to stay away from. That was. I absolutely price. agree with you there. I, I felt the same way. So the two guys I wrote down, I crossed one off just because he's just too cheap. For, for me to say that he's somebody to stay away from, I'll just tell you, it's Joe Mixon. He's at home. The Patriots have been filming the, the Bengals. The Bengals are going to catch the Patriots coming off pissed. You know what I mean? Like, Mixon doesn't have a chance this week. But I just didn't think that'd be a fair non-pay-up person. So I'm going to say a guy that I'm pivoting from, is it because of talent? It's because I don't trust his coach and his team. And that's Zeke Elliott right now. That is also a match for us. Uh, again, same thing. I, I had a hard time choosing this here, but over their last nine games, the LA Rams have allowed only six total running back touchdowns, and only two teams have topped 100 running back rushing yards during that span. Now, Zeke will catch a few passes against them, and I, I think he's going to finish with right around 100 yards, but I'm not counting on 100 total yards. And he's, I mean, realistically, in this game, I think he's kind of touchdown dependent. Yeah, because uh, I, I just, I'm sorry. Jason Garrett is dead man walking. There is no doubt about it. They're not winning the Super Bowl this year. That's the only way he keeps his job. And it's just, it's mind-boggling how that offense is being run right now. So, Well, I have a strange feeling we're going to sweep the running back position. You know, I don't think so, because I went a route that I don't think you would have gone. Um, my, pay, my, my value play is based on the wide, re- wide receiver position of a team that has let their quarterback down, and I think I'm going to go off of one quarter of play as well as a few weeks, but especially one quarter and say, I think that the team's going to have to rely on this guy a little bit more, and that's James White. Well, you know what? I, I certainly like James White. I play James White pretty much every week in DFS, <clears throat> and the only thing that's frustrating about James White is – it could be a perfect game script for James White, and then Bill Belichick just decides, I'm not going to give James White the ball this game. Uh, but I think and he has to. I, I think well, I, I know he has to, and, and again, all conventional wisdom and logic says that he has to, but when was the last time Bill Belichick allowed conventional wisdom and logic to actually dictate his decisions? When was the last time Bill Belichick lost a home <clears throat> game in Foxborough? When was the last time Bill Belichick lost two consecutive games to AFC opponents? So I, I don't just... Look, I know the play that you're that you were going to say, and I was going to I was going to add him in. The only reason I didn't call him my value play is because we're not 100 percent sure what's up with the health of Josh Jacobs, but it should be DeAndre Washington. That's definitely a value play if Jacobs is out. And he is indeed my value play. I'm basing it on the assumption that I I think Jacobs is done for the year. Uh, there's no reason for him to not deal with the surgery, get taken care of on his shoulder. Again, Oakland's out of it; they're not playing for anything this year. Let him rest, get him ready so he has another big season next year. Over their last five games. Now, I was just talking about how bad Houston has been over their last four games. Listen to these numbers. Over their last five games, the vaunted Jacksonville defense is allowing 229 total yards per game to opposing running backs to go along with 10 total running back touchdowns over that span. That's sick. That's bad. That's bad. (laughs) That's, That's really bad. That's somebody, we could run for 200 yards against them combined. That's Somebody's going to get a truck of coal backed up to their stadium bad. Well, you know what it is? It's that uh, uh, the owner, Khan, is too busy working with his new wrestling federation. So. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, AEW. Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's see. So we, we went technically to, if you want to call it 2.5 because of the extra person to pay up. So we're, we're two and a half to three. Um, let's go over to wide receiver. I think we're going to match right off the bat. I could be wrong, but I think so. Um, 
this team over the past month, two, three, has given up the fourth most points to wide receivers. And this guy is due for a huge game. Not a big game, but a huge game. And that's DeAndre Hopkins. Especially, well, I'd say he had a pretty huge game last week. Um, you think it was huge enough? Well, by real football standards, yes. Or fantasy football standards, maybe not so much. But, he, <laughs> but, but with them having lost the way that they did, needing a win against a Titans team that looks like they're making a playoff push and <coughs> actually a push for that division, um, yeah. I mean, seven for 120 with one touchdown. He had 13 targets, though. I'm talking like... Double-digit catches, almost 200 yards, multiple touchdowns. And that's certainly within the realm of what Hopkins can do, particularly if he doesn't have Will Fuller out there. And you know what? I actually thought about Hopkins, considered him here. Uh, the guy I'm going with is actually got a matchup that on paper doesn't sound good. It's Tyree Kill at home versus Denver. Yeah. Five of the last seven wide receiver ones to face a Chris Harris-led Denver defense have scored, including Tyreek Hill back in Week 7. Tyreek does feel like he's due for a big game, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I think that, the, I, again, I, I'm not down on Mahomes this week. I think this is going to be one of those games where, again, they're going to come out and they're just going to be whipping the ball all around against Denver. It's a rivalry game. Uh, Lord knows that, again, as a Chiefs fan, I've always hated the Broncos. So I'll be I'll be cheering from my from my seat here on the couch for – a big game from both those guys. So let me ask you, because we had a little bit, of <coughs> little bit of disagreement last week on Tyreek Hill. Um, did you get from him what you thought you would get at six for sixty-two with no touchdowns? Was a little better, a little worse? Because it was a little better than what I expected. I thought it was a little better too. I, I really thought that New England really concentrated on taking him out, and I felt like they did. But uh, there, there are a lot of points in the game where Stephon Gilmore was actually covering Sammy Watkins. To the point where they were actually jawing with each other yeah. and fighting with each other on the side. And I'm thinking to myself, again, I think Belichick is kind of out coaching himself at times by doing things like that because you, you've got a true shutdown cornerback like that. You've you got to put him on the number one wide receiver and force the other team to beat you with the guys like Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson. So, yeah, I think Hill actually did better than I expected. And, and to, along those lines, Travis Kelsey did better than we expected too because, again, they could have chosen to, yep. to block him too. Okay, so let's go on over to who we're going to stay away from. I, I didn't have a hard time with this, but I did have one guy that I wanted to make mention of. There's no way that he's priced high enough to come into this conversation because usually we're, we're talking about the higher-priced guys that we want to stay away from, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm staying away from Stefan Diggs. Absolutely despise the matchup on the road in L.A. I don't care if it's going to be 50%. Vikings fans, that means that there's maybe 5,000 Vikings fans and 5,000 Charger fans. The Chargers have been tough against the Pats, right? Yes, and we're going we're gonna to be a match on this one here. I, too, chose Stephon Diggs at the Chargers. Only six teams have scored a wide receiver touchdown against the Chargers. Over their last eight games, six of those teams have sh been shut out at the wide receiver position. No touchdowns against the Chargers. Uh, at, earlier in the season... The Chargers were giving up a lot of yardage and, and a few sporadic touchdowns to wide receivers, and that was when they had a lot of injuries to their secondary. Well, people are starting to get a little healthier now. And again, over the last basically two months, wide receivers have done nothing, nothing against them. Yeah. So the guy I want to warn of that I, of course, didn't want to – I think he was priced high enough to be the stay away. But Cortland Sutton is facing, facing a chef's team, your Chiefs, the only team that's given up fewer points over the past month, the wide receivers, than the char or the Chargers, are the Chiefs. So they've given up the 31st fewest amount of points to wide receivers over the past month. So Sutton, even though Drew Locke looked pretty good this past week, I'd be a little bit hesitant of playing him. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. So I think we'll match on our value play. Staying in that same Chargers game and... I like Mike Williams. I think it's a great matchup. I'm surprised he was priced as low as he is. We know he's a big play option. Um, so did we agree there, or did you go a different route? I did go a different route, but I absolutely agree. Mike Williams is a great value play this week. I've already got him in a couple lineups <laughs> this coming week because I did like the matchup a lot. But 
So the value play I'm going to go with here is Marvin Jones versus Tampa. I, I wanted to. I'll be, I'm not going to lie to you. I looked at Galladay as a payup. I looked at Marvin Jones. I looked at Amendola. I just don't trust. Was his David name? Blau. David Blau. I just th- that's the part that scares me. I'm not going to lie. But yes, the matchup for for Marvin is is mouthwatering. Well, and so here's the thing. Uh, again, Marvin Jones is not the wide receiver one in Detroit. That's Kenny Galladay. But here's the big stat with Tampa Bay. Nine of the last ten wide receiver twos to face Tampa have scored a touchdown. Seven of those ten have topped 60 receiving yards. Marvin Jones is a big target, much like Galladay. He's certainly capable of being a, a red zone presence. So, again, you've you got to like everyone there. And that's the type of player that you really want to look to in a, in a GPP-type format where, again, if, if you've got the balls to do the stack with Blau and Jones, <laughs> oh heck, you could you could throw in Jesse James there against a Tampa defense that gets torched by tight ends. That would be a really really juicy hit. If it hit, yes, exactly. All right, I feel much more comfortable doing that stack in a super flex GPP, where I could also put a more proven quarterback packed with his wide receiver in there too. But yeah. All right, let's go over to tight end. I don't want to say I had a difficult time, um, but I wasn't a huge fan of Kelsey or Kittle's matchups per se to say, okay, I'm just going to pay up for the top two guys. But Zach Ertz, I know it's in Washington, but Zach Ertz, especially with it looking like, who knows if Alshon's even going to be available next week, so they really may have to really lean on Ertz. I'm going to pay up for Ertz against that Washington team that is in the top five. Actually, I think they're fourth, over the, fourth or fifth over the past month in points allowed to the tight end position. Zach Ertz is the guy I'm paying up for also, and you mentioned the last four games the last month or so. Over that span, they're giving up five catches, 68 yards, and a touchdown per game to opposing, uh, opposing tight ends. So they've certainly been beat by the position, and it's not like they've faced a murderer's row of tight ends either. Uh, they gave a touchdown last week to Robert Tanyan, of all people. So, yeah, get Zach Ertz in your lineup next week, uh, even if the wide receivers are healthy again. Exactly. I, I mean, he easily could have a 7-9 to nine catch day for 105, 110 yards and a touchdown I, or two. I, I would dare to bet that Ertz and Goddard next week combined for 20 catches, 250 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, that would be a good week for them, that's for sure. Um, you know, I'm looking at this, and there's a chance we if we run – we run the table here at tight end, which we hardly ever do. Uh, we're going to push. You're not going to keep, you're not going to pick my value play this week. I'm sure of that. Uh, I wrote three <laughs> names down. I crossed two of them out. So okay. <laughs> um, but the stay away is a guy that most people probably are going to want to have in their lineup, just based off of he's had a good year. But I, I'm saying, you know what, in DFS, stay away from Darren Waller this week. Uh, that is not a match, but I agree. Don't don't play Darren Waller. I don't like his price. When you factor in the fact is that close in price to Zach Ertz this week. Uh, I don't like uh, the guy that I stayed away from is Travis Kelsey versus Denver. Okay. Uh, and it's not that Denver is particularly good at covering tight ends. They've just been playing better against tight ends this year than they've been playing against wide receiver ones at least of late. So I think Kelsey's going to probably get six or so catches maybe 70 yards at best. But only two teams have scored a tight end touchdown against Denver this year, and that's kind of surprising because Denver historically has been kind of bad against tight ends. But even in their earlier meeting, Kelsey only had six catches for 44 yards. So I'm I'm not expecting a big game, particularly not if you're going to have to pay the top dollar price to use him. So just for what it's worth, Denver over the past month ranks 11th in points allowed to the tight end position. But... 11 of those points went to Irv Smith in Week 11, and 17.7 of them went to Kyle Rudolph in Week 11, and 4.8 of them went to Tyler Conklin in Week 11. So since Week 12 and 13, those two weeks, you're looking at 3.1 points to Dawson Knox and 2.4 to Tyler Croft and 3 to Hunter Henry. So it's not a great matchup at all. Um, And then, you know, my guy Waller that I said – He's, on a, he's facing a team in the Jaguars who's given up, I believe it's the fourth or fifth least amount of points over that same time frame to the tight end position. Exactly. Again, I'm not paying Waller's price when I can get Ertz for just a couple hundred bucks more. Yep, don't disagree there. All right, so at my value play, 
I'm just going to go to the one that's the really the cheapest. It's like you said, you know, stack David Blau. Um, J.P. Holtz was somebody I considered because of matchup and price. He's $2,500 on DraftKings. Are you kidding me? Um, but I crossed him out. And then I looked at Noah Fant, honestly. Um, but I crossed him out, too. I, I was concerned there was a little bit of injury concern with him there. Exactly. Um, and then I do worry about, you know, locking his second game in a tough matchup. But I'm going to go and I'm all, we're going to roll the dice on his second game back with David Njoku. Yeah, I, I don't think that's really a much of a risk there. Again, you're facing <laughs> Arizona. Uh, he's not my match, but well, I, I give you credit. You mentioned the guy that I chose as my value play. You're going with J.P. Holtz, aren't you? I'm totally going with J.P. Holtz. He's the last man standing for Chicago there. Uh, everybody is hurt. Trey Burton is hurt. Adam Shaheen is hurt. Ben, ben Broniker got placed on IR a couple weeks ago. J.P. Holtz is literally the last man in their tight end room right now. Uh, he's coming off his best game as a pro last week. Caught all three targets for 56 yards. And you know what? So last week, Green Bay managed to shut down that Redskins vaunted tight end offense led by Jeremy Sprinkle. Uh, Jeremy Sprinkle didn't have a catch. But prior to that, Green Bay had allowed an average of seven catches and over 100 yards per game with five touchdowns allowed to the position over their previous six games. That is atrocious. That is almost as bad as Arizona, almost as bad as Tampa Bay, almost as bad as Oakland. Attack all three of those teams, but also attack Green Bay because Green Bay doesn't care anymore at blocking tight ends. Okay, so over the last, from weeks 10 through 13, the Packers are fourth in points allowed to the fantasy tight end position. Do you know who's given up the most points to the fantasy tight end position over that time frame? It's not Arizona. They it's don't, Oakland. They don't hold, it's not Oakland. It's the Kansas oh. City Chiefs. <laughs> and then you know who, who's given up the second most points from week 10 through 13? It's the Seattle Seahawks. The yes, Card- I didn't know they were up there. The Cardinals are not the end-all, be-all, best matchup in the world anymore. They are only third in points allowed to the tight end position. So Njoku has some risk, albeit not much. <laughs> Put both of them in there. Do double tight end this week. No, don't do that. Don't ever, <laughs> don't ever do that. I don't even recommend doing that with like Kelsey and Gronk when Gronk was at his top. Exactly. Tight ends just don't have big enough weeks as much as wide receivers do. That's why. Yeah, I think if you're going to do that, you're going to do that if you're playing a lineup where you're going to put uh, like Christian McCaffrey and uh, the best other running back of the week in there. Again, like the, we talked about this week, you can pay up the, the two really good running backs, guys like Carson and Henry this week, and they're not going to Christian McCaffrey your bankroll. Right. Those, those two combined on DraftKings were only 16K. Those two combined on FanDuel are only 16.8K. So again, you're talking about 33% of your budget on on DraftKings and only a little a little under 30% on FanDuel. So you can definitely play those two together at their price and still field together a competitive lineup all around them too. So, yep. So that's going to wrap us up. We did not hit the over or the push. I was correct in betting the under this week. Um, three, four. We'll call it five, even since we matched two on the. Um, Running back pay up spot. Um, so yeah, quarterback quarterback threw us off this week. I thought we were going to match on more there. But. Yeah, had we matched a quarterback like we norm, we're normally at least two people on quarterback, and we just seem to wipe that spot out. Sometimes we would definitely have hit the over. So on a full slate, basically, that's not bad. Exactly. All right. So next week and the week after, let's tell people what they're in for. We are going to give you next week. No help for your fantasy championship game. I'm sorry. At that point, if you got there, do it on your own, and that way you can cherish the win that much more. What we are going to give you is an early look at our top 12 at the quarterback and running back position, as well as DFS plays. And then in week 17, I know you probably don't have any fantasy championships to worry about, but tune back in because we're going to round out the season by giving you our top 12 at the wide receiver and tight end position so that you can start planning for next year now because you can never do enough research for fantasy football. And if you have any questions, reach out to Harley on Twitter at Nuclear Harley. Myself, you can reach at Steve Gallo NFL. Of course, look, I know there's not much season left, but guess what? These are the two biggest weeks you'll have all year. So if you haven't subscribed to the huddle, go do it now. And 
And it makes a great Christmas present for next year. There you go. It does make a great Christmas present. Give it to yourself as a Christmas present or give it to your spouse as a Christmas present or give it to somebody else as a Christmas present. Just get it, give it, whatever, um, and good luck. Good luck in advancing to hopefully your fantasy championship in week 16. If it's week 17, get a new league, change the rules, do something. And with that said, as always, get blitzed responsibly. Cheers. <laughs>